Today in our series, The Fruit of the Spirit, we are talking about the importance of cultivating faithfulness. And one great example of faithfulness was William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. You see, as a traveling evangelist, William was greatly moved by the needs of the poor in London. And he realized that most churches were doing nothing to reach the undesirables, the prostitutes, the drunks, the morphine addicts, and the poor. He set out to reach them with what he called the three S's, soup, soap, and salvation. That sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> he set out to reach them with that, and thousands were saved among those that most churches weren't interested in reaching. Booth gave his life for the cause of reaching others, and we have the Salvation Army today because of him and his amazing wife. Now, in his 80s, though Booth's work began to be hindered with blindness, he briefly lost his sight, then he recovered it, but later he's lost, he lost his vision altogether. His son Bramwell came to him with the bad news, you can imagine his son coming, uh, that he would never see again. Booth replied, God must know best, Bramwell. I don't have, oh, sorry, I have done what I could for God and the people with my eyes. Now I shall do what I can for God and the people without my eyes. <laughs> now, Booth's is a wonderful story of faithfulness to God, right? Of course. The impact that he had, though, was only possible because of God's faithfulness to him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had any impact. And this is a story that rings true throughout the Bible and throughout history, that when God is faithful to us and we are faithful to him, he can do great things, great things. So today, as we discuss how we can become faithful people, we must begin where faithfulness starts, and that's with God, because faithfulness begins with God, not us. We're only called to be faithful because God is faithful, and in him we see the perfect example of faithfulness. So let's unpack this a little, starting with God is faithful to himself. Now that means that he's consistent in his character. He, he doesn't change like us. He's not fickle like us. Sometimes we behave one way and the next day another. Malachi says this plainly. Have a listen. I, the Lord, do not change. Well, that's pretty clear, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Numbers puts it this way. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Now, secondly, God is faithful to his word, meaning that he keeps his promises. He's faithful to himself. He's faithful to his word. Psalm 145 says this, The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. Thirdly, God is faithful to his people, faithful to take care of them, to watch over them. You see this again and again throughout Scripture, and that would be a whole separate sermon today. But let me just read you one. The Apostle Paul says this, He will keep you strong to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Now, we may fail, we may fall, we may come under attack, but he will keep you strong till the end. Isn't that good news? God will do it in us. Now, on account of all this, God calls us to be faithful 
because he is faithful, and that faithfulness is demonstrated again and again to us. Now, Lamentations cries this of God. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So then, God's faithfulness challenges us, how can you and I be faithful? How can we cultivate faithfulness in our lives? Well, that's what we're going to take a closer look at right now from the parable of the talents or the parable of the bags of gold in the NIV in Matthew chapter 25. Because this parable shows us how we can cultivate the quality of faithfulness in our daily living. Now, let me set the scene for you. Jesus tells the parable or a parable of a master going away and leaving his servants with responsibilities to fulfill. Quite a normal task. There is a long time to wait before the master returns. And the issue is, who will be ready for the master's return? Who has been faithful with their duties? And what does that faithfulness look like for us in light of Christ's return? Well, let's look, let's look at this most important question then. How to become faithful from our parable right now. And the first step to becoming faithful is you must understand who God is. You must understand who God is. See, our view of God is significantly, sorry, our view of God significantly impacts our faithfulness and commitment to Jesus. If we view God incorrectly as a harsh taskmaster or an unpleasable perfectionist, that will have devastating effects on our ability to be faithful and to honor and obey Him. See, we'll all too easily become exhausted and fall into sin as we repeatedly try to live up to His perfection. Or we'll become legalistic and in doing so lose our joy in the Lord and become joy stealers ourselves. On the other hand, when we view God correctly as our loving, gracious, faithful master, then we'll happily and faithfully serve Him with our gifts and abilities. It's the difference between a boss that demands us to do something and a husband or wife that we love and respond to out of love. Now we see the impact of these two different viewpoints in our story today, especially the unfaithful servant who the master entrusts with one talent or in our text, one bag of gold. Now let me say, this one talent or bag of gold was the equivalent to 20 years of a laborer's wage. 20 years. Now how much would that be today? The laborers charge a bid. <laughs> that would be a lot of money. So the master puts a lot of faith in his servant to give him that much. The master leaves him with the responsibility to grow his investment. But after a long time, when the master returns to settle accounts, listen to how this servant responds. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Now let's stop right there then. The master in this parable is supposed to represent God, right? Is God a harsh taskmaster who exploits and steals from others? No. But this is exactly how the servant views him. And his incorrect view of God massively affects his ability to be faithful to the master. You see, 
He makes nothing from the long-term investment that a master gave him. Instead, he hid his talent in the ground. But so many of us are exactly the same. Our mistaken view of God makes it incredibly hard to respond to him into a loving, open, active way. Faithfulness becomes a grind for us, even an impossibility. People say, it's just too hard for me to be a Christian. Friends, if that is you, this is not what God is like. Don't let a bad father figure or a poor role model in your life color your view of God and impact your ability to faithfully serve your loving Heavenly Father. And it doesn't matter how old you are, we can still be impacted, even in an elderly age, by a poor view of God because of our past experiences of a father figure or role model. If you struggle with a warped view of God, look at the Scriptures anew and rediscover who God is. Because the Bible plainly tells us God is love. He's love. He's the epitome of love. He's the definition of love. And we most powerfully understand this when we learn that God so loved the world. That's all sinful, wicked people. That He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave His only beloved Son to die for us as sinners, as rebels, so that we might be forgiven, made right with Him and have an eternal hope. And amazingly, our loving God doesn't change. Instead, He showers blessings upon us, wisdom and many other things. As James says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly light who does not change like shifting shadows. So as the psalmist says, let me encourage you afresh to taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the man who takes refuge in him. Now, when we view God correctly, as we'll see the two faithful servants must have, then we faithfully serve him and we'll be rewarded for our labor. It becomes a joy rather than a grind, rather than a grind. Now, this leads us naturally onto our next step in becoming faithful then, and that is you must do your best with what you've got. You must do your best with what you've got. Or, or perhaps put better, you must do your best with what you've been given. You must do your best with what you've been given. Now, this isn't just a good saying. It's the principle of faithfulness that God expects us all to live by. You see, just like the servant in our story, God gives us our talents to serve him with too. And these talents could include our gifts, our abilities, our resources, our time, our influence, our health, our knowledge, the gospel message we can share, and whatever else God has given us that we can serve and glorify God with. It's our talents. And do you know what? We're all talented because He's given us all talents. Isn't that good to to know? So today you can leave saying, I'm very talented, God says so. Now, God gives us these talents to serve Him with according to our ability. He only expects that we do our best with what we've been given. Okay, He doesn't expect more of us than what we've been given. So we read in our story, To one He gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to His ability. Then He went on His journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. 
So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now notice this. He gives each servant varying amounts of talents according to their ability. Just like he does in the church today. There's great evangelists and great people of God, incredibly gifted or very wealthy people using the gifts mightily. And there's those of us who maybe don't have such great gifts. But God simply calls us. And what he's most concerned about is our faithfulness with what we have been given. He's most concerned that we do our best with what we've got. He recognizes we're all different and expects only of us what is appropriate. Now, two of the servants with a right view of their master show due diligence and do this well. One does not. Two servants use their gifts responsibly, even adventurously, and gain a good return. One does nothing. We must make the right choice about how we use the gifts and talents God has loaned us because we'll be rewarded or reprimanded accordingly. So the question then is, how can you you use your unique set of gifts, abilities, and resources to serve the Lord faithfully in your workplace, in your home, in your ministries, with your family, friends, and colleagues, and so on? You know, the beautiful thing about God is he made all of us different, didn't he? We don't all just look different and have different fingerprints and all these amazing outward things. But he's made us all with a unique set of abilities and gifts specifically for you in your specific circumstance to use you specifically. Isn't that wonderful? And God, isn't that, that's quite amazing actually, really. And God will use you if only we will seek to be used, if we'll be faithful to him. And what a joy it is when we're, when you, when we're used. I remember when I was uh, on the doors many years ago, I haven't told a story from the doors in a while ago, but when we were, when we were in Papua New Guinea and, uh, and there was a fellow, early 20s, who was sitting on the porch outside the pastor's house and I was chatting to him and he was saying to me, I find it so hard to serve the Lord and I'm apparently not allowed to play volleyball on Sundays, but that's when I love to play. And I said, mate, you play volleyball on Sundays. God doesn't have a problem with that. But, mate, the way you're going to find joy is if you trust in and serve the Lord. Now, I don't know whether or not he went on to do that, but what I do know is this, is the joy that gave me in serving God in a small way out surpasses the best movie I've ever seen, surpasses the best things, just about most of the best things that's ever happened to me. Because there's such joy when we serve the Lord faithfully, isn't there? And if you've done that, you'll know that's true. And if you haven't done that, let me tell you, try it out. <laughs> it works. It brings joy. Deep joy. Now with this in mind, and finally, we'll be motivated to become faithful when we know we'll be rewarded for our faithfulness. This is our final point. You must know you'll be rewarded for your faithfulness. Now, our story makes it abundantly clear that one day we'll all be held to account when Jesus returns. Now, this will be a scary thing for unconverted, unfaithful people. But for those of us who trust in Jesus and in our own weaknesses have sought to serve him faithfully with the talents he's given us, there will be great reward. There will be great reward. The parable shows us this. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. 
His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold came. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with two bags of gold. I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, I want you to notice a few things there. First of all, the accounting begins after a long time. The implication being that there's been, there's been a long delay, but Jesus is coming back. So be ready. So be ready. I once saw a t-shirt that says, Jesus is coming back. Look busy. <laughs> He's not telling us to be busy. He's telling us to be ready. <laughs> Secondly, notice that these two servants double their talents and are praised especially for what? What are they praised for? For their faithfulness. They're praised for their faithfulness. And they're given two things. Increased responsibility and a share in their master's joy. Now get this. They don't just enjoy the honour of greater responsibility and joy here and now. No, they enjoy glorious new responsibilities and heavenly delights in eternity. Isn't that wonderful? So our reward's not just here and now, and the Bible's very clear that God may multiply our responsibilities, the honor of that, and give us joy as we do it. But in eternity, we're not going to sit around on vacation the rest of our lives. We are going to be given glorious responsibilities and heavenly delights. And they won't be a burden. We won't get tired and say, oh God, come on, today, can I sleep in? It will be wonderful. It'll be wonderful. What a great reward for obedience now, hey, for faithfulness. And thirdly, and this is wonderful. Notice this. The two successful servants receive identical praise from the master. That's why I read that whole long bit. They receive identical praise, even though the size of their original responsibility was different. And so too, their achievements were different. They received the same praise from the Lord. You hear that? That's really important. The point is, your faithfulness with whatever God has given you will be rewarded with equal measure. Not necessarily equal amount, but with the equal measure of God's generosity, goodness, and kindness toward you. Sure, the more capable servant was given more and received more in return, but both faithful servants received the same equal measure of God's great generosity and praise. So God doesn't expect you to do more than He's given you, and He will praise you for what you've done with what you've got. But not so with the unfaithful servant. He thinks his master will exploit his labor, and so he spitefully returns the master's money, having done nothing with it. What this servant overlooks, though, is his responsibility to his master and his obligation to fulfill his assigned duties. His failure betrays his lack of love for his master. He makes up excuses, but his failure betrays his lack of love for his master. Friends, grace never condones irresponsibility. Grace is not bubblegum Christianity. God calls us, he says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Even those of us who are given less are obligated to use and develop what we have. And so we read, but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have got some interest on it. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and there will be an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
We are told for those of us who are faithful with what God has given us, who use our abilities and gifts for the Lord, we will have an abundance. We'll have an abundance. But for so-called believers, not genuine followers of Jesus, those who fail to do good and don't use what God has entrusted to them, like the unfaithful servant, most serious judgment awaits them. Now, this is you. Take this seriously before it's too late. Now, this all begs the question as we wrap things up. Which servant do you want to be? Which servant do you want to be? The faithful servant who's rewarded or the one who does nothing with what they're given and ends up in ruin? Friends, we may fall and fail at times, but let me close with these encouraging words from J.C. Ryle, the bishop, many years ago, and then the Apostle Paul. Have a listen to this. And I love, when I was reading this, I was really moved, so I hope God will speak to you too. J.C. Ryle says this, The best of Christians is a poor, frail creature. And he needs the blood of atonement every day that he lives. But the least and lowest of believers will find that he is counted among Christ's servants and that his labor has not been in vain in the Lord. He will discover to his amazement that his master's eye saw more beauty in his efforts to please him than he ever saw in himself. He will find that every hour spent in Christ's service and every word spoken on Christ's behalf has been written in the book of remembrance. Let believers remember these things and take courage. The cross may be heavy now, but the glorious reward shall make amends for all. And the Apostle Paul says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Stand firm in the gospel. Stand firm in your faith. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Friends, we can become faithful with the help of God's Spirit.